Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of February 26th through the 28th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Happy March, everyone. Can you believe it's already two months gone since uh, through 2020? Uh, where has the time gone? Now, in movie news, the Golden Globes were this past Sunday, but I won't be talking about much that here. Uh, for that information, be sure to check out my award season podcast, the Oscars Death Race podcast. Uh, that being said, we do have some interesting stories this week, uh, with the most interesting one being the number one domestic movie this past weekend. So let's get straight into those numbers, shall we? In first place at the domestic box office this weekend was the HBO Max theatrical simultaneous release from Warner Brothers' Tom and Jerry. Opening in 2,475 theaters, it grossed an outstanding, for pandemic times, $14.1 million for a per theater average of $5,701. That is the second highest post-pandemic opening three-day weekend behind the first HBO Max simultaneous release of Wonder Woman 1984 at $16.7 million. Uh, unlike Wonder Woman, however, I'm going to call this one a success, uh, where the latter had a budget of $200 million, but it has yet to break even on even worldwide. Uh, Tom and Jerry only had less than half of that at $79 million, according to various sources. Uh, internationally, the mixed live-action animated film has made $25.6 million to date over the past few weekends for a lifetime total of $39.7 million, just about halfway to its total gross in its first weekend. Um, and with a stronger cinema score, audience Rotten Tomatoes score and audience Metacritic score, as well as the fact that this is a more kid-focused uh, movie, which tends to have longer legs, such as The Croods 2, uh, it could be do as well, if not better, uh, than what Wonder Woman 1984 has done, uh, which again sits at about the $150 million mark, um, which would definitely be sufficient for Tom and Jerry to actually make its money back purely from the theatrical box office. Uh, one thing that Deadline noted was that 35% of the audience came from the Hispanic movie movie-going audience, um, and I think that speaks to the legacy and, and kind of impact Tom and Jerry has had over the uh, over generations. Um, it's pretty popular over, overseas, actually, given the fact that the story is one that can be told without dialogue. I mean, how much do you need to tell to, to find the jokes between a cat and, the, and a mouse doing snadigans chasing each other? Um, so I think that's, that's going to help, especially overseas. Now, obviously, we don't have the internal numbers for how well this drove numbers for HBO Max, uh, but I do wonder if this relatively strong showing, which the pandemic, you know, the vaccine rollout hasn't even been fully rolled out yet, um, and all, and all, especially if Godzilla vs Kong does do really well in this this month, um, if that'll change Warner Brothers' mind about uh, having its theatrical windows, you know, be given up in order to help HBO Max. So we'll see where this plays out in the long term, uh, especially with Raya and the Last Dragon opening this week for competition. Uh, moving to second place, we have the other uh, kids' film, family film this weekend, uh, Crude's A New Age, making $1.25 million in 1,912 theaters, a 27% drop down to 656 per theater average in week 14. It currently sits at $52.4 million domestically and $103.7 million internationally, lifetime total of $156.1 million. 
In third place, we have The Little Things, making $930,000 in 1853 theaters, a $502 per theater average, and a 23% drop in week five. Now, notably, this Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, Jared Leto crime thriller is now no longer available on HBO Max, where it premiered simultaneously with theatrical release. Um, I said no. I watched it this Sunday just before it ended up uh, being pulled from the service because of the 30-day window. So we'll see if that impacts numbers moving forward, uh, especially next week. Maybe the drops will be a little bit lower. Uh, Domestic total sits at 12.9 million, with another 10.3 million overseas, bringing its lifetime total to 23.2 million dollars. In fourth place, we have another HBO Max simultaneous release, the original Wonder Woman 1984, making $705,000 in a 12% drop uh, in its, what, um... 12th week, I believe. Uh, 1534 theaters uh, is a per theater average of 460. Uh, domestic total is 43.5 million, and internationally, it barely stays ahead of crude and souls numbers at 117.7 million dollars. Worldwide total of 161.2 million. This could very well be overtaken by crude um, too, you know, in the coming weeks. Uh, finally, rounding out the top five is The Marksman with $701,000, dropping 10% in 1414 theaters to a week seven per theater average of $496. Uh, $12.3 million domestic plus $3.6 million abroad that means that its lifetime total sits at just under $16 million. Uh, overall, buoyed by the strong opening from Tom and Jerry this week, the domestic box office uh, is $20.58 million for the weekend, almost triple last week's $7.6 million. One year ago, we saw The Invisible Man's debut at $28.2 million for a box office total of $98.4 million. Now, coming up this weekend, March 5th, we have, of course, Raya and the Last Dragon, simultaneous uh, Disney and Disney Plus theater- premiere access and theatrical release. Again, this will be an interesting test for Tom and Jerry to see if they have the able-to-go-to-distance facing competition from a family-focused film, uh, given that Crudes 2 didn't really have that competition at all when it released in Thanksgiving up until now, what, almost uh, three months later. Uh, we also have the Tom Holland Daisy Ridley film Chaos Walking opening in IMAX theaters, as well as the indie film Boogie from Eddie Wong um, about a basketball playing high schooler from New York. Uh, we also have some significant streaming releases coming this week. Paramount Plus launches, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, on the 4th, and the Coming to America the Eddie Murphy sequel comes to Prime Video on the 5th. Uh, note to self, I definitely need to make sure I watch the original Coming to America first before watching this one. Uh, checking in real quick internationally, Seoul, as I mentioned above, is hot on the heels of Wonder Woman's international-only number. Uh, Seoul has made $111.7 million versus Wonder Woman's $117.7, a mere $6 million difference, uh, which is astounding again given that Seoul released in much fewer uh, markets. Uh, checking in on our favorite Japanese surprise from last year, Demon Slayer movie, in addition to having a one-week limited release in Miami this week for uh, awards consideration, did pretty well overseas this week. Um, it opened in, it topped the Australian charts at $1.86 million, uh, more than the entire run of D- Dragon Ball Broly uh, at $1.4 million. And, you know, Dragon Ball Broly made $30 million here in the States in normal time, so we'll see if, you know, this were to release in the States in the coming weeks, how it would turn out. Um, it also grew 32% week over week in Korea to make $745,000 in the number one spot. Um, Also, from Japan, we have a new release date for the delayed Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 film coming March 8th now.
Uh, checking in on the Chinese box office, we have the following domestic films. Uh, Hi Mama made $53.2 million this weekend for a lifetime total of $745 million. Good for the number three spot of all time in China. Uh, it will cross into number two ahead of Neza once it hits $778 million. Easily doable sometime this week. Uh, in number two, we have Detective Chinatown 3 making 19.8 million US dollars this weekend for a lifetime total of 668 million dollars. Uh, good for number five all time in China, ahead pushing Avengers Endgame out of the top five, uh, with the next benchmark to be uh, The Wandering Earth at 724 million dollars. Uh, Andy Lau's Endgame made $14.4 million this weekend with a lifetime total of $70 million. In fourth, we have The Writer's Odyssey making $12.4 million uh, for a lifetime total of $138 million. And just below it is Tom and Jerry debuting in China to $12.3 million, US dollars, um, which interestingly puts it actually for the first time in a while that I can remember actually uh, it opening um, below, like so a film opening in uh, the U.S., below what it opened in China uh, for the first time in a very long time um, when it opened on the same weekend. So, you know, box office numbers out of the way. Uh, let's move on to some headlines. Uh, I think the biggest one this weekend this weekend and week coming up is one we touched on briefly earlier. Paramount Plus is launching this coming week, uh, the latest entry to the streaming wars. Though, I guess it's a re-entry given that it's basically just a rebranded CBS All Access. Um, in any case, the offering seems pretty compelling, to be quite honest. Uh, 30,000 television episodes, 2,500 movie titles, and 1,000 live sporting events each year, plus, you know, 50 originals coming over the next two years. Um, and, you know, Viacom is definitely spending, you know, somewhere around $5 billion by 2024 in the hopes of making $7 billion over that time. Now, notably for this podcast, as opposed to Universal opting to have the 17-day release before moving to VOD, um, you know, without any plans to move their movies to Peacock, um, or you know, Warner doing day and date release in theater, and then you know, uh, as well as on HBO Max, um, crunching the theatrical window to basically zero, or Disney, who's kind of waffling, having some you know, saying they want to commit to the theatrical release, but also having premiere access. You know, for now, you know, Paramount just announced that they are committed to preserving the theatrical windows um, and having the theatrical releases. But uh, still shortening that window, um, having it be somewhere in the 30 to 45 range uh, for their biggest titles, um, you know, will definitely still giving theaters that first look, first look exclusivity. Um, now, this could extend up to 90 days for specific films, but they did confirm that A Quiet Place 2, due in September, and Mission Impossible 7, due in November, will be on that th sort of 30 to 45 day theatrical release window. Um, I guess this is just kind of a result of. Over the years, you know, more and more of the uh, revenue has been come over the first couple of weekends as opposed to, you know, being over a longer period of time. Uh, now, this move was supported by the Independent Cinema Alliance, you know, in contrast to the other moves that have been decried, um, you know, for, say Universal moving with Trolls World 2 or getting heat from AMC or people not just not in general not being happy uh, with HBO Max's deal. Um, but, you know, I think it looks like just 30, maybe 45 day window is definitely going to be the new standard moving forward. We'll see if Universal ends up shifting their model uh, in the future. Now, not again, not every Paramount film will go straight to Paramount Plus. It looks like there's a deal where some films will go to Epics, a pay TV television network, uh, before coming their way over to streaming. But still, um, 
this is another distinct model separate from you know what Universal or HBO Max is doing. Uh, we have to see how Disney's going to pan out. Now, the pricing for Paramount Plus will be as follows, $5 per month for the ad-supported level, which includes NFL games, but does not include local CBS news stations, um, with an ad-free tier that does include the news stations going up at $10 per month. Um, plus, you can also add on Showtime for an additional fee. Uh, we'll see if this is all enough. You know, the goal is to hit 65 to 75 million users globally by 2024. Uh, between the old versions of CBS All Access and Showtime, they apparently had reached 19.2 million US subscribers and 30 million internationally, um, which you know they launched, I believe, back in 2024. So you know, relatively slow. Um, now, notably, you know, there are a few international markets that will be simultaneously releasing with the US launch um, on March 4th, specifically 18 Latin America countries. Countries. Uh, my take on all this, you know, I honestly think that Paramount Plus is in a better position to launch, having probably learned from some of the mistakes that HBO Max uh, and uh, might have dealt with. Um, you know, they 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 while they do have the last mover advantage, where people will be like another streaming service they have to sign up for. I think they will be launching on Roku and Amazon devices from the get go, which is one of the big things that hampered HBO Max. Um, and you know, the content lineup looks pretty solid. I think the sports is going to be the key differentiator here, as are the news stations to get people to do it for the higher uh, subscription tier. So it'll just, I think, mostly come down to how well Paramount Plus ends up marketing this service. Um, we'll also see where those numbers come out next week or whenever they end up announcing them, probably at the quarterly release, uh, quarterly earnings supports. Uh, also, interesting to check next week, aside from Paramount Plus, um, as we noted last week, uh, New York City will be opening up its theaters this coming Friday. Um, again, not all small theaters will reopen. Uh, the 25% camp may not allow them to actually make their margins if they were to reopen. Notably, Cinema Village near NYU won't reopen, as neither will Film Forum, Metrograph, or Lincoln Film Center, though you know some of them do have April reopening dates penciled in, and that's definitely just something for my New York locals, uh, so apologies for anyone not based in the in the city. Um, but, however, the Angelica Film Center, Village East and Cinema 123, as well as the IFC Center all are slated to reopen, so super excited for that. Now, of the big chains, obviously, AMC is set to reopen. Um, I believe their, their their CEO, Adam Aaron, got a uh, bonus for, for dealing with the whole situation. Um, but notably, uh, the New York reopening is not enough for Regal Cinemas to get into gear and open up their theaters across the country. Uh, they noted, however, in a tweet that once LA theaters reopen, they'll be confident enough that there will be a summer blockbuster season and that they will re re reopen nationwide. There is no set date yet for when LA will reopen their theaters, but Deadline speculates that it'll happen sometime later this month, if not next month, uh, which kind of is in line with what Cinemark's CEO uh, mentioned sometime in the two to four week period we should hear news about LA. Uh, speaking of Cinemark, one other interesting development to watch this week. Apparently, they will not be running Raya and The Last Dragon when it comes to theaters this weekend. I presume negotiations broke down between Disney and Cinemark um, regarding terms over revenue sharing and whatnot. Um, you know, given that Raya is breaking the theatrical window technically, and they're not part of you know the Universal uh, deal, so you know we'll just see how this ends up affecting Raya's final totals. Um, probably most relevantly, it'll have a lower theater count total, so we'll just have to see. 
Now, some other quick highlights before we wrap up the show. Um, Disney Plus launched StarHub in 17 regions, uh, which, as we reported a few episodes ago, um, will add, include some of the more adult-oriented content from Disney's uh, you know, catalog of different businesses that they own, uh, which you would normally find on Hulu here in the States. Uh, meanwhile, stateside, a report found that 40% of Disney Plus subscribers are from the U.S., with another 20% from India. Um, so this move to launch Star, Plus, Star Hub in many countries abroad um, is meant to help drive subscriptions for non-U.S., non-Indian numbers for Disney Plus. Um, there's also a report that Marvel Studios is apparently going to move to Sydney over the next five years. Um, TBD, if this is actually reliable or not, but it does kind of make sense given that Australia has taken care of the virus pretty well, um, as well as New Zealand. I mean, they just had one case you know, flare up this week and you know, an entire region of New Zealand kind of shut down for a week. So you know, I think that's pretty friendly to filmmakers and the environment they want to create as opposed to the persistence that it's kind of lingering here in the States. Uh, speaking of maybe not completely reliable stories, uh, a correction from last week. It has been reported that Big Hero 6 characters would join the MCO, but we have now confirmed that it's actually not going to be the case, at least from the most recent reporting. What is confirmed, however, is that Spider-Man Far From Home Homecoming sequel is coming this December and finally has a name, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which again hints at more multiversal uh, shenanigans. Um, now, similarly, Gar James Gunn confirmed that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will begin filming later this year. Uh, on the DC side of things, apparently Tahisi, Tahisi Coates is writing and J.J. Abrams is producing a reboot of the Superman franchise. Um, and just as we get Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League later this month. So um, we'll see. I think joining that, you know, interestingly, is Puerto Rican director An Angel Angel Manuel Soto is set to direct and uh, a DC film about Latino superhero The Blue Beetle with production starting sometime later this fall. Um, over at Netflix, David Fincher is set to work with screenwriter Andrew Kevin Walker, who helped write one of his breakout films, Seven, uh, to work on the adaptation of the killer graphic novel series uh, with Michael Fassbender reportedly in consideration for the lead role. Um, Vin Diesel confirmed that F9 will be coming out this summer, though no date is, is secured for now, which, again, bodes well for the summer blockbuster season. Um, block, and Black Widow, if not coming out May, at the very least being pushed back. Uh, let's see, a Mortal Kombat film that is coming to HBO Max next month had its Red Band tale come out a, a week ago or so, and it appears it actually broke the record for most views of a Red Band trailer in its first week, which, again, bodes well for this film and HBO Max uh, you know, decision. Uh, and finally, you know, according to a report from TV Time, Godzilla vs. Kong is the most anticipated film coming out this March, uh, which again, not much of a surprise, but I suppose it adds hype to the eventual release at the end of this month. Um, that all being said, I think that's it for this week. You know, next week, like I said, we're going to take a look at the pretty exciting episode with Ryan the Last Dragons release, as well as Paramount Plus's launch. Uh, we'll cover those, but, you know, if there's anything else, suit me ideas for what else I could cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, tell a friend. Any of that helps the show out. If you're feeling extra generous, please consider supporting us on Patreon, which helps me not only make this show, but all the other podcasts I work on from Ninja Boy Media. Links to all of that in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Music